We've got a lot of breaking news to break down today. Aaron Jones re-signing with the Packers. Drew Brees retiring. What goes on in New Orleans now that Brees is officially done? I've got 49er talk. I'm pretty critical of the 49ers. Cam Newton, uh, Dak Prescott we know about, but we're going to address that as well because that was one of the biggest signings in the offseason. Let's break it all down. That and more. All that and more. The Fantasy Football Show begins now. This is the Fantasy Football Show with your host, Smitty. Top five running back. You're watching the Fantasy Football Show. Smitty. Aaron Jones re-signs with the Green Bay Packers, $48 million, a four-year deal. Look, this couldn't be more ideal. Everybody keeps talking about how he could be in Miami. He could do good elsewhere. And I've been saying pump the brakes on expecting him to be elsewhere, even though he apparently was hitting free agency. I knew Aaron Jones wouldn't be happy with the market that was out there for him. And this is ideal because we know the touchdown volume is there in Green Bay for Aaron Jones. He's an oft-injured running back that you don't want getting more volume to account for less TD opportunities. So if he went elsewhere and he was getting less touchdown opportunities, you'd have to dial up the usage a ton on Aaron Jones to account for the lack of touchdowns that he gets if he's in a different uniform. He wouldn't be getting the touchdowns. He'd have to have more yardage and usage all around, which adds to the potential injury for a guy like Aaron Jones who struggles to stay on the field. So to me, this is the most likely scenario that keeps Aaron Jones on the field healthy playing at a volume we know he can play at with an efficiency we know he can play with with touchdown opportunities we know will be present now this sucks for aj dillon owners i agree aj dillon was on his way to being a potential beast in the nfl as i mentioned time and time again I thought Aaron Jones would probably be heading back to Green Bay, even with him potentially hitting free agency and everybody thinking, okay, he's gone, he's gone. No, this was the best situation for Aaron Jones, and the market was not going to be what Aaron Jones anticipated. We knew that. I talked about that a lot. So anybody expecting A.J. Dillon to become the starter was looking at a whole bunch of risk in that not only could Green Bay draft a player even if they let Aaron Jones completely go, but Aaron Jones still could return. So I I posted some videos on buying low on A.J. Dillon before the Aaron Jones' hitting free agency news broke. But once that broke, A.J. Dillon, his value climbed too high when you didn't know for sure what was going to happen. Just because Aaron Jones was hitting free agency doesn't mean, didn't mean, that he wouldn't return to Green Bay. It didn't mean that the Packers wouldn't draft a running back. The the increased value that you had to pay from when Aaron Jones decided to test the market to now was not accounting for all the risk that still faced A.J. Dillon and his value. A.J. Dillon could still be a factor. Aaron Jones has proven that he can get banged up. He can get hurt. And while I like him in Green Bay, and I rank him in the second round, something I wasn't too excited about until we knew where he was going to be. But now Aaron Jones is in the second round very, very comfortably. But he's often injured. He has a tough time staying healthy. And while A.J. Dillon becomes that super handcuffed type player like Alexander Madison, 
Lat Murray, Mike Davis if he returns to Carolina. A.J. Dillon, unfortunately right now, is just that, a super handcuff. But if he gets into the lineup, make no mistake about it, A.J. Dillon can be a a running back one even if it's low running back one territory he could be a running back one in that green bay offense if he's getting all the work we don't want that we don't want aaron jones getting hurt and aaron jones in that offense healthy is a top five potential running back when he's on the field he's a second rounder to me because of the injury factor but he's a safe second rounder when you think about it because Second round factors in potentially missing a couple games. And we did a mock draft right around mid-season. And because he was doing so well at the beginning of the year, he was a consensus top three overall pick. I'm not saying he ended up finishing at that value for people heading out of 2020. But in 2020, mid-season mock draft form, this dude was talked about like, How is he not in your top three? How is he not in your top five? That's how good Aaron Jones is playing for for stints in 2020 and this deal right here four years 48 million including a 13 million signing bonus tells me that green bay is going to feed him in 2021 don't you worry about any kind of divide or committee aj dillon will have a role aj dillon will be a super handcuff aj dillon will be a security blanket that i recommend any aaron jones owner cuff to their Aaron Jones and Dynasty people already own AJ Dillon. You could potentially poke around at the AJ Dillon owner if you are an Aaron Jones owner and see if this deflated the value and the disappointment so real that they'll trade him for a, a decent price. But in redraft, AJ Dillon's value deflated. You should be able to cuff him very easily to Aaron Jones. Make sure you reach at least one round to ensure you get the duo. Make no mistake about it. You need to have Aaron Jones cuffed to Dillon in redraft. You have to. No, you're not going to use both of them, but it secures you 16 single starts that will account for your running back one or at least your high-end running back two depending on how you build great news for aaron jones owners great news couldn't be better there is no spot that helped keep aaron jones healthy low usage but gives them the touchdown opportunities to score as a top five to ten running back this was it green bay's the best scenario not good though for aj dylan owners i feel bad for everybody that was banking on him being a running back two in 2021 drew Brees officially making his retirement known and we kind of knew that he was going to do this after 20 seasons he spent the first five years with the chargers in 2001 to 2005 on the 15 year anniversary of signing with new orleans he makes his retirement known leads the entire league in history in yardage which i believe tom brady will now pass but drew Brees, this is about you and we thank you for your service first ballot hall of famer and boy you're gonna leave a mess of a situation in new orleans because who starts in your place is it Jameis winston who we've never seen really play consistent football since getting lasik surgery will it even improve anything and is winston the guy early indications coming out of of new orleans and that area is that Winston will be the likely starter in 2021. But I firmly believe they will continue to look for a solution that might be better. And I firmly believe that Taysom Hill will get a shot or be in the mix for touches and and snaps. I could see this being one of those scenarios where, unlike last year, they'll prep and use Taysom Hill at quarterback often while they use Winston. That way, if they want to make a change, let's say at halftime, it won't be that big of a shock or jolt to the offense to have Taysom Hill 
come out onto the field in the third quarter and start the rest of the game. Whereas last year when Drew Brees went down, Taysom Hill was playing tight end, wide receiver, running back for all you for all you saying that Taysom Hill shouldn't be a multi-position eligible player. He was not even ready to play quarterback when Breeze went down. That's why Winston stepped in that game. It wasn't until the next week when they could prepare Taysom to be the quarterback did Taysom step in and start games. He was the most multi-eligible player in the NFL, which is why I find that topic so funny that it upset so many people that they didn't have Taysom Hill in their tight end spot. In, in ESPN leagues last year. That topic is is something we don't need to, to beat like a dead horse anymore. Point being, Taysom Hill will be used all over the field, but I believe that they use him and Winston if they don't bring in another quarterback. They'll use Taysom Hill and Winston often together so that they can maneuver and, and shift back and forth if need be. I think they want it to be Winston. I think they want a traditional gunslinger. But if Taysom Hill is sprinkled in as a quarterback, as a running back, as a, as a receiver all game long, it'll be an easy transition over to him at any point in a game at any time. What does that do for Alvin Kamara? What does that do for Mike Thomas and the other players on this roster? Honestly, we don't have a big enough sample size to truly know. I know Taysom Hill did connect with Mike Thomas more than a lot of people thought. I know that Taysom Hill did affect Alvin Kamara in a negative way, but New Orleans threw a curveball into all of this by giving Alvin Kamara some heavy usage down the stretch. If you forgot, in Week 16, Alvin Kamara ran the ball 22 times for 155, seven yards of pop, six TDs on the ground, in that week 16 outing, only three receptions. They didn't need to throw the football to him. They used him like a beast on the ground. Then in week 18, 23 carries for 99 yards and one TD. In week 19, January 17th, 18 carries. He's capable of running more. They don't have to give him just six, 10, 11 rushes and then give him seven receptions. You like to see that kind of volume and workload split for him, half receiving half rushing with his frame his stature you don't want him rushing for 1400 yards it'll probably break him he'd last longer in dynasty doing the 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 divvied up approach but if they lean on him on the ground he can be successful so we don't my point is we don't really know if Taysom Hill would destroy his value vulture all of his touchdowns they just need to run him a lot if they decide not to pass to him something I feel like they proved they could do at the tail end of 2020 but it is an unknown. It does make Camara a little bit of a risk and, and have some, some variables we can't really measure or prepare for, all relating to the quarterback and who's playing and who's starting. And Taysom Hill signed a four-year, $140 million extension, uh, making it kind of cloudy right now what's going to happen with this quarterback room. But Ian Rappaport then reported later after that report Uh, today saying that Winston is the likely starter. So your guess is as good as mine. They still have to bring Winston back and sign him, which they may not have cap space for. Don't be surprised if Hill does walk in as the starter. It really could go a hundred different ways and no one knows for certain what's going on. So keep all that in mind. Cam Newton signing a one-year deal with the New England Patriots. The deal is a $5 million deal, has all kinds of incentives baked into it. Like if he is the MVP, if he makes it to a Pro Bowl, like it's literally Cam Newton has to be the best player that he's ever been playing at the highest level he's ever played at to get his $14 million deal. It's like $9 million in crazy incentives. But I think 
And we may not ever know the truth because New England feels like a black hole right now for quarterbacks, for for fantasy football talent. They could change that if they acquired the right talent, but I don't think they will. I don't think Cam Newton is built to, to make a wide receiver elite. Even if they brought in a really, really good wide receiver, I don't know that that receiver would do well because Cam's not at that point in his career anymore. Cam is a game manager if you set him up to succeed and surround him with the right kind of talent, but but New England's not that talent. New England's not that team. Cam will do well on and off. Before he got COVID, he was actually playing okay. He got COVID, came back, threw the ball into the ground constantly. Never really returned to form after COVID. My point is this. I don't think Cam's worth starting on any level in a one QB league. He won't be. He's not that good of a quarterback anymore. But he's still good enough in certain areas that if a team like the San Francisco 49ers would have brought him in, he could have game managed that team almost like he's on training wheels with the run, the defense, Kittle, Debo, Ayuk. Cam Newton ironically would have fit that type of offense and that system with the surrounding talent way better than a Jimmy G would have or will. And again, this is something we may never be able to prove. I'll probably hear a bunch of, you're wrong, Cam sucks. Well, he's in a really bad situation. I think they could bring in like a Hunter Henry, although I think Henry, like with Aaron Jones, might find the market isn't what he thinks out there. And he comes back to the Chargers. He wants to play with Herbert anyway. But I could see New England maybe signing a Hunter Henry. Cam does well with a tight end. His best years ever were with Zach Olsen doing well and playing like a pro bowler. But Cam won't be consistent in New England. The Niners missed the boat and didn't offer enough to get Stafford on roster. The Niners keep thinking that the Jimmy G is the answer when he's not. Cutting Jimmy G gets you about 20 million back which you can use on other pieces and then go sign and convince Ryan Fitzpatrick to quarterback your team and maybe draft a a QB like Lance or Mac Jones and groom them. And if Fitzy goes down week 10 because he's built to dominate for just 10 weeks, then you have your rookie ready to come in with training wheels, an offense that supports him, a run game behind him that's dominant, a defense that's solid, more than solid. And then your rookie, whether it's Lance or Mac Jones, can be efficient enough to get you maybe a couple playoff wins. Rookie QBs can do that now in the right environment if set up to succeed. But no, but instead of that plan, going and getting a Lance, going and getting a Mac Jones, pulling in a Fitzpatrick for two, three, four million dollars, and getting 20 million back by cutting Jimmy G, you'd rather go in with Jimmy G, have no backup plan at all, not be aggressive with Stafford, not be aggressive going and getting a Cam Newton, more importantly, not being aggressive enough to say, hey, let's ask the question. And I've asked a bunch of 49er people this question. Die hard 49er fans. If I gave you Deshaun Watson, would you win at least one Super Bowl in the next three, four years? Almost every single time I ask any 49er fan, even fans that are critical of what's going on right now, Every single one says we'd win at least one Super Bowl if you handed us Deshaun Watson. And then my question to those people after they give me that answer is, then why is it not worth giving up four, even five first rounders, but we'll call it four, 
for Deshaun Watson if in your mind it guarantees you at least one Super Bowl. Maybe more, but at least one Super Bowl. The first reaction usually is, well, what about our future? My response then is, do you not have second and third and fourth rounders? Did you not cultivate a George Kittle from a, what, was it a fourth or fifth round pick? Do you not have some of the best scouting potential in that organization? Developing a Jeff Wilson, developing a Raheem Mostert, You know what you're doing when it comes to scouting. Just because you get rid of first-rounders doesn't mean you can't build for the future. Not to mention, do you expect Deshaun Watson not to be on the roster in three or four years? And then I say, even if, and then I say, even if, you trading away four first-rounders makes you lose and play like the worst team in the NFL in 2026, 2027, 2028. Is it not worth it if you win at least one Super Bowl in the next four years? I have yet to run across a 49er fan when I pose all of that to them that doesn't say, you're right. You're right, Smitty. I would now that you put it that way. Give up four or even five first rounders for Deshaun Watson because we might still have a future and Watson would still be on the roster at the times where we're worried about what we gave up and it would all be worth it. It'd be worth it being a losing team for multiple years if you guaranteed me at least one Super Bowl but a shot at multiple Super Bowls. So my question flipped back at all of the coaches in the NFL. What are you doing When you have the opportunity to grab a hold of your own destiny, you have the opportunity to get a difference maker that can win you a Super Bowl, and you have all the pieces to win now, but you covet these first rounders as if they're worth way more than they are. Whether it's trading up and getting a a Trevor Lawrence, which I think would be worth four or five first rounders easily, or getting a Deshaun Watson, he helps you win a Super Bowl. Jimmy G does not. And we all know by now Dak Prescott signed a four-year, $160 million deal. He gets $126 million in guarantees, no trade clause. We all know this happened, but I want to speak to it real quickly in all this and say that the Dallas Cowboys needed Dak as much as Dak needed the Dallas Cowboys because no one was going to pay what this man got coming off of the injury that he suffered. And Dallas, in turn, was not going to get a quarterback in their entire season in 2021, 2022, 2023, would have went down the drain. Zeke Elliott's no spring chicken. They need to win now. This move makes CeeDee Lamb a top 5-10 to 10 wide receiver heading into 2021. At me all you want. This man is going to be a top, let me put top 1-5 to five on it. CeeDee Lamb could be the number one wide receiver in the NFL. I firmly believe he has that much talent, upside, and situation. And I know a lot of you like Amari Cooper. I'm not saying Cooper can't be the Cortland Sutton to Jerry Judy in this situation because Jerry Judy, make no mistake about it, is the future in Denver. But this is a situation where Cortland Sutton is capped and there's a governor on his value and and potential. Same thing with Amari Cooper. There's a governor on how good he could be, a cap, because of how good CeeDee Lamb is and how good CeeDee Lamb's going to be. CeeDee Lamb, top one to five wide receiver in 2021. Same thing I said about A.J. Brown and D.K. last year. I feel the same way about CeeDee Lamb in 2021. 21. I feel the same way about Justin Jefferson. Not as bull because he's already done it, but Lamb 
Jefferson, Ridley, three of my favorite wide receivers, especially in auction because they're a little cheaper than a lot of the other wide receivers that I feel like they're going to be just as good as, and you can get these three together and still have a whole bunch of money to, to spend on running backs, quarterbacks, and a tight end. That's the news for today. Make sure you check out all the other videos on my, my show and channel. Subscribe if you're new. Tell your grandma, tell your friends, tell everybody about the show, and get on over to smitty1.com, which links all of my content all in one place, the audio podcast, sleeperu.com, which is where you get your news, your fantasy news. Get it from me. I write every single piece of it, and I put Redraft Dynasty into every news post I make because that's how I roll. See you later. This is the Fantasy Football Show with your host, Smitty. You're watching the Fantasy Football Show. I'm Smitty!